Hello, this is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt, and with me today we have Karen. Hello. And Eric. Hello. And Tracy. Good morning. How is everybody's health? <laughs> I, I did not die in the last two weeks, and that's all I'm willing to say. Yeah, I yeah, I'll say present. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for your cold. Yeah. I've been fine. Tra- Tracy, th- <laughs> thank- thankful- Tracy thankfully the health the healthcare provider has managed to keep himself healthy. At his at his advice, I tried a few things over the last couple of weeks. We actually had to skip a week of recording because three quarters of us ended up sick, and it was just awful. But I tried a nasal rinse for the first time. That sounds disgusting. Let's move on. That is an that is an interesting <laughs> experience. No. There is an art to sinus rinsing, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it helps. It helped help me feel better. That was a weird. That was a weird thing, but um, but yeah, still fighting this crud. I'm going. I'm on three weeks of it now, and uh, I don't know. It it seems to get better, and then I crash again. So who knows what it is? I'm pretty sure it's not the coronavirus because from what I've seen, my symptoms are worse. <laughs> yeah, plus you had it before that was a thing. So. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, um, we're going to get into things here. Uh, we are reading, or we're studying Genesis 38 through... 28. 28, 28. 28 I'm sorry, 28 through uh, uh, 32. I had my Bible turned to net what we're going to be reading next week. That's why I'm all messed up. So 28 through 32. A uh, little brief recap. Let's see here what happened. Oh yeah, Isaac and Esau, and or Jacob and Esau, and all of their uh, quarreling and uh, the ja- blessing. Yeah, Jacob constantly sort of cheating Esau out of his everything he's supposed to be getting. But a lot of times Esau, well, maybe not the last time, but you know the first time Esau kind of goes along with it, you know, because he's hungry. And uh, but the next time Rebecca gets involved, and Rebecca, yeah gets involved and helps Jacob to uh, get the blessing away from Esau. So when we get into 30, I'm sorry, man, I'm, here we go, 28, um, it starts out that Isaac calls Jacob, and this time he specifically blesses Jacob without Jacob seemingly having to steal it. And he is telling Jacob that he needs to go to Laban to get a wife, which is where where Isaac had gone. Well, that's Rebecca's brother. That's Rebecca's brother. So he's sending him to his uncle. Yep, sending him to his uncle to get a wife. In verse 4, he gives, he specifically passes on the blessing of Abraham to Jacob, where he says, you know, he's talking about may God bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples, and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger. So this is a blessing. It's part of the covenant. It's being passed down from generation to generation. And um, here, very specifically, it's not going to the firstborn, which would have been Esau. And Esau is not taking things well. He very specifically, right after Jacob is told to go get a wife from a particular place. Esau very specifically goes and takes a wife from someplace where his parents do not want him to get a wife. His other uncle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His dad's side. Mm-hmm. This is where uh, uh, Ishmael is mentioned again, where he gets he gets a wife from, uh, was it Ishmael's daughter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was interesting. <laughs> I was trying to... Boy, I started to try to make up this family tree, and it is so interwoven. Just because I was trying to get in my head who was who, because, yeah, um, Rebecca is the bro- is the sister to Laban. Jacob is supposed to get a, a wife from Laban's family. Ends up with his cousin. Ends up with his cousin. Yeah. Cousins. And, yeah. Uh, and in this case, it would be first cousins. Mm-hmm. Same as Esau does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, from from um, from the other uncle. Uh, now, I did find it interesting that we're only, okay, you're Ishmael, and then you're into one more generation down from Ishmael, and that line is already considered distasteful to, to Isaac's line. It makes me wonder what kind of lifestyle they were living already, you know? Oh, I don't know if it even had anything to do with that. Maybe I would not. say... I, I, I think there was so much animosity between 
the parentage between these this generation because of the parentage like we share father abraham but we have different mothers my mother you know i'm the child of promise well i'm the firstborn yeah but i'm the child of promise yeah mm-hmm. but i'm the firstborn i mean that's 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 all blood stuff and i don't think it was that far removed no i think it was probably yeah. still fresh in everybody's minds yeah um, everybody had a good history and a good recall of it and what kind of situation it was. Oh, yeah, it was terrible. I mean, the mistreatment alone that, you know, Sarah dished out onto Hagar, mm-hmm. it was bad. The whole thing was bad. Right, right. Everything from, hey, Abraham, I have an idea, forward, was bad. <laughs> right, yep. Now an interesting story happens where Jacob is on his way to go to... To Laban's household. I was thinking, though, when I was reading that, if you look at the parallel between um, Abraham or Abram Mm -hmm. and Jacob at this point, you just got a huge blessing. You told that you were going to be fruitful and to be a stranger in a strange land, got the, the, the family promise. And once again, you have to start a journey somewhere in order mm. to go do yes to, or in order to go get yep. the promise go mm-hmm. there Abram and do that. got the promise from god mm-hmm. but he had to leave so yeah. he started his journey jacob in the midst of everything that went on got a promise and had to and had to move on yeah. to start his journey so looking at the parallels there kind of we're like okay here we go again mm-hmm. well i i thought that this was very kind of god because Okay, yes, Jacob left on his parents' instruction and with his father's blessing, but here's God stepping up to say, yes, I'm, you, you are the recipient of the blessing that I gave Abraham, right? Mm. So there's that reassurance, which also, I would guess, after the fallout, after the, the dishonest kerfuffle with Isaac and Rebekah and and Esau and Jacob and getting the firstborn blessing and whatever. Um, I suspect that Jacob might, yes, he knew his father was sending him away to get married and choose a a wife from amongst the kin that they wanted to be attached to. However, he might have also kind of felt like he was being banished because of how he had acted. So I thought that this was all, this whole scene at Bethel with the dream, and for whatever reason he's using a rock for a pillow, I kind of got stuck on that. That was weird to me. Like, that that whole thing I thought was very, very gracious of God to just reach out and say, and it just, what a huge reassurance. Like, yes, you're within my will. You're going the right direction. Do your thing. You've made mistakes, but yeah. I still have a plan for you. And you are still blessed. You are yeah. still within my blessing and my will. Yeah. So this dream that Jacob has <clears throat> is of a ladder. Going all the way up to heaven, it says. It says, set up on the earth. It's top, oh, it says, yeah, top reached to heaven. And ascending and descending on it uh, are angels of God. Now, you know, what does that look like? I don't know. But um, I'd like to see it. But, yeah. So, you know, and there's, I've heard some speculation about what this dream meant. Um, well, it could mean a lot of different could things. could mean a lot of things. But it's quoted in John one fifty one. Oh, go there. It's just, it's straight up, this is, this is a, uh, a prophetic vision of Jesus and his ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, John 1, 51 says, this is in uh, Jesus calling his disciples is what's happening right here. And uh, Jesus says to, to Nathaniel, you know, uh, because I said, I saw to you. I saw you under the fig tree. You believe you'll see greater things than these. This is fifty-one, John one fifty-one, and he said to him, "Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending mm-hmm. and descending on the Son of Man." Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Jesus is the ladder. That's kind right. of always been my impression of this. Yes. Like he is the way that all of this happens yeah, between and earth and heaven. And that's a metaphor, not derived out of, you know, just having to write an essay and coming up with something clever. I mean, Jesus <laughs> says that flat out, that's right. me. Right, right, right. Yep. No, so yeah, he is the ladder. Now, he's also at the top of the ladder. Because it says, the Lord stood above it. So, it's like Jesus is his own ladder. Jesus, The way to Jesus is through Jesus. And that's that's kind of a cool concept, too. That there's not some secrets... Uh, formula that we have to know to get to know Jesus that 
he, I mean, he's just right there. And he is, well, he, you know, like he says later, I am the way and the truth and the light. Well, he, he is the way. He's the way to himself. So it's pretty neat stuff in 15. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I'll bring you back to this land. Yeah. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you, which is a pretty big deal. It goes to the, um, goes to the theme of making promises and keeping promises. We see that, you know, back from Abraham, God makes a promise and he keeps a promise. And Isaac, you know, he makes a promise, he keeps a promise. To Jacob, he makes a promise, he keeps a promise. Mm-hmm. Is it in Isaiah that he says, my word will not return to me void? It will yeah. accomplish the thing that I have sent it to do. Yeah, so this is, this is part of that theme. And it's an interesting thing because he will come back over this same area by the time we're done with our reading today. And his attitude here seems to be like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Coming back, his conscience really gets to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you'd think if there was a time when it should have gotten him, it would be here. But here, he's just his business is leaving. He's going to go yeah. get married. He's going to go find his thing. He's feeling maybe a little bit alone. But I don't think he really has understood or really repented um, of the yet. gravity of the situation that he caused at home. Mm-hmm. I don't think he really gets that yet. He will later. Yeah. Right. So interesting um, note here um, about Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. Mm-hmm. This, is the, this is where Bethel gets inaugurated. This is where it becomes a thing. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a thing that we see over and over and over and over throughout the entire Old Testament in the history of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. And it's a really big deal, and it's important to understand that it starts out as a real encounter with God. And he sets up this memorial, but this becomes the center of idolatry. Hmm. Bethel becomes where Jeroboam puts up a golden calf later, and it's the same Bethel. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, this is the center of worship here. We're not going to go to Jerusalem anymore because they're political enemies of ours. So we're going to worship at Bethel because Bethel is special. And this golden calf isn't really the God, but it stands for God. And so what Bethel becomes later is a half a degree off, or Mm. a couple degrees, um, from what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to notice how this, what this idolatry becomes is it maybe just becomes full-out idol worship and full-out worshiping the gods of Canaan and all this other stuff, but it starts out as, hey, we're worshiping God. Like, what's the, what's mm-hmm. the big deal with this? Yeah. Like, we're, this is a special place, right? And so they took what was legitimately a special place and added more and more and more and more of their own trappings to it, and this became the destruction of, of Israel, of the northern kingdom. They, they, they go into, if, if I have my geography right, correct me if I'm wrong here, this becomes the, the first, they're the first ones to go into mm-hmm. captivity. This falls. Um, because when the kingdom splits, this is the center of um, The northern two tribes, worship. or what it was. Ten. It the northern ten tribes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so this becomes the center of their false worship. Mm. It's a big deal. Well, it shows yeah. up again and again and again. Bethel, Bethel, Bethel. But doesn't Bethel. it always yeah. stand to reason that you have to have a small sliver of truth? Yeah. To There's yeah. a lot of truth in Bethel. In, in error. No, to... Oh, I see to, what you know what I mean? To, a little bit of error. Or a little then, bit of truth for the error. Or yes. to have them follow the yes, error. Yes, a kernel. Yes. Yeah, it's it, called house of God. So if we can't get to the house okay. of God, this should be fine. There's a river and some political opinions separating us. Let's just do this. Right. More expedient. Let's go with it. And mm-hmm. oh, the disaster, the results. Yeah. And then we, we see that too. You know, just it's a little lie. It's, you know, it's a little, well, then we got to take it to the next level. Then we got to take it to the next level. And there's kind of no turning back. Yeah. It's a disaster. Yeah. But that kind of stands to reason, though, too. This whole journey started out with Jacob leaving and. It's when he left, his long exile was a direct result of his sin, and he was pondering over things the entire journey. So it was, it was kind of more of obedience and divine direction based on what he had done. So it was, like you said, it was a different little, it was a different journey for him, but it was basically, okay, I'm, I have a blessing, 
but I'm put into exile, and this is a result of what I've done. Yeah. And now I'm, like we had talked about, I'm being banished, and I need some reassurance. Mm-hmm. I only have one place to turn because my my worldly family is they're all they're all mad, disappointed, upset, angry, you know, maybe vengeful in spirit, and I'm out here by myself. Hmm. I, I got no one. I, I like that God can pull beauty and grace and his own will out of any situation because no one would argue that what went on with Isaac and Rebecca and Jacob was cool. Like sit back and see how God fulfills his own word that's been in place in direct promise to Rebecca since she was pregnant, right? But then, no, we're going to intervene and we're going to make this big mess and we're going to cause all this trouble in all these relationships. And so at the same time, there's how does that go? You, you, you're free to make choices, but you're not free from the consequences of those choices. So even though here's Jacob and this becomes a 20-year sojourn into isolation from his family and he never sees his mom again and like all of this stuff happens even though that is happening and that is direct fallout from his the, the him and his mother's chosen behavior instead of waiting to see how god would handle it god is still at work and god is he's still making something beautiful and within his will come out of it god's I just, will I will just be think done it's, i just think it's cool mm. yeah what do you think of jacob's vow here because if I can just quickly paraphrase it, it almost sounds to me like if if God will take care of me, <laughs> then He will be my God. Then I will serve Him. Then I'll serve Him. I I. Mm. You think this is just Jacob still being young and immature, mm-hmm. and That's he hasn't quite figured like how things are going? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's also maybe that, in it's cliche, but the come to Jesus moment usually happens in your lowest time. You know, how, how are we to say that, you know, especially being a father, you, you hope your children have a relationship with God, but you can't make that relationship no. for them. Right. And at some point, they need their own come to come Jesus. Come to Jesus moment. And maybe this was Jacob's come to Jesus. Maybe he rode on his parents, you know, like... Um, I think this was his first big come yes, to Jesus moment. Yes, where he has no one else, and now that foundation that his life was built on comes comes into play, that he knows that God is there for him, his family. He's heard about this promise through, you know, his his father, his grandfather, and now... In spite of his unworthiness. Yes. Now he maybe has a better understanding of it, and that has that moment. All right. So he arrives. Yeah. yeah I, I want to just super, super a quick footnote here. In the last verse of 28, um, at the, it's, it's, it's at the end of his vow. Mm-hmm. He says, and of all that you give me, I will give a tenth to you, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I just want to point out, this is long before Leviticus, right? And, and these other things is that this idea that, well, the people didn't really have God's law until, you know, they were out of Egypt and then they, they, God talked to Moses and then, then they knew what was right and wrong and all, all this other stuff. No, here's another one of these things. Yeah, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek mm-hmm. after the raid. And so we've got him paying tithe wait before, before there's a, uh, a nation. Mm-hmm. I like the acknowledgement also, of all that you give me, yeah. I will give you a tenth. Not of all that I earn out of my own cunning and perseverance, <laughs> right? So he's, yeah. I mean, he acknowledges the, the, the way of things. Yeah. Yeah, so he's not he's not completely oblivious to the ways of things, but yeah, just the way he worded that vow is like, well, if you you know if you take care of me and feed me, then I'll follow you. Prosperity gospel. Yeah. All right, so chapter twenty nine. Jacob meets Rachel. When he first meets her, his reaction is odd to me. No, well, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It just struck me as odd. Verse eleven says, then I mean, he's he's just met her. I mean, just met her. It says, then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. That just seemed like an odd reaction. I know, to I it. thought so. Oh too. no, I don't think this is a. I don't think this is a romantic smooching. I, I, think, I was no, just no, going to no. say that. No, uh-uh. this is the Middle Eastern greeting. And yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. On the cheek. He's been traveling. I, you never met him. I don't right. think. 
and he's traveled across all this distance by himself. And here's and, family. And he just I've arrived. He just gets to family, and he's probably just so relieved and so happy just to be here. Okay, I made it. Yeah, and right. Yeah. It's also, like the, it's, he single-handedly rolls away this giant stone. Well, you know, he's going to show off for the ladies. And I made it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I see that as like you, you see in the, the the metaphor in the in the movies of uh, you know, a wild plane ride mm. or a boat ride, and somebody gets to land and they, kiss and they the kneel ground. down. Yes, and they kiss the ground. That's I'm, what I'm so happy you exist. <laughs> right, I see that here too. Okay, that that. Yeah, that no, helps. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think that that was like, oh, hey, cousin. I didn't take it as anything like that. Well, I took yeah, it as. I don't think I, I took it okay, as. Okay, Karen, stop. My family. <laughs> I guess I didn't take it quite like that. It just seemed like, I don't know, knowing that he was on his way to get a wife, and then he meets the woman who will be his wife, and the first thing he does is kisses and cries on her. You know. Well, got that not, out of the way. Yeah, yeah. That's not generally. A, she still liked him after that. She still so. liked him. So yeah, I don't know. So they get it set up. Laban starts making deals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now we Laban, Laban is actually seems really happy to see some family. Here. Oh yeah, totally. I mean he's he's running out to meet him and and embracing him. And he's kissing him and and uh, bring him to his house. Free labor? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I know. Well, I can't help but one think shyster <laughs> to another. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Jacob is Jacob's going to learn some lessons here mm-hmm. over the next what twenty years. Yeah. Because. Um, you know, Jacob's been kind of, yeah, like you say, a, a conniver here uh, for quite a while with his brother. And who knows how much that went. You know, I bet. I well, it said, Jacob, when yeah. he's talking to him later, he's like, you've changed my wages. First, I worked for yeah. my wives and you tricked me. And you've ch- and then since then, you've changed my wages 10 times. Yeah, but I'm talking more Jacob and Esau. How oh, much, yeah. How much, oh. you know, we hear about two times. Mm-hmm. You know that between brothers... Anybody who's got a little brother or a big brother, you know that that doesn't stop just because mom and dad say knock it off, <laughs> you know. Um, but I think we too we had a foreshadowing of Laban. Oh yeah, you know, totally. A few chapters back, mm-hmm. and maybe it's sometimes where, you know, and this is probably not the right analogy, but sometimes a student has to meet the master <laughs> and and gain a few lessons that you know while your trickery was great back at home. Um, I got some dealings of my own that you have to, you yeah. know, reckon with, and you know, and be schooled up in the heart of deception and heartbreak. Maybe oh, I am. I am. Uh, I am why you. I am an example of why you should eradicate that trait from your personality. <laughs> right, and, and it shows up, and it's just like you. You're buying a car. You don't ever walk on the lot and go, "Oh, that one," because you're sunk. Can I hold the keys? You're sunk <laughs> because Laban sees Jacob. You know, looking at Rachel, and he's like, oh, oh. Hmm. Yeah, seven years of free labor. Yeah, Actually, I'm sure at this point, Laban's thinking 14. <laughs> yeah, well, probably. Um, to me, Laban's, Laban's sin against Jacob, to me, is almost worse than Jacob's sin to Esau. I mean, that's brothers. That just happens between <laughs> brothers, you know. <laughs> but Laban has only just met Esau, or, uh, Jacob. And in verse 14, Laban acknowledges, he says, surely you are my bone and my flesh. He acknowledges that this is family. And it doesn't take him long before he's, he's, uh, he's trying to get something out of them. Because uh, Jacob stays with them for a month. And sounds like he's been kind of working for him already for a month, for nothing. And, uh, you know, I guess Laban does have the decency to say, well... You know what should what should what should, what should your wages yeah, be? Yeah, you shouldn't you... be working for me for free. Name your wages. Yeah, so you know, I mean, he, he at least puts on airs of of uh, of having some decency in the workplace. Okay, so guys, no, Eric, you've got a daughter. So if a guy comes to you and says, "Give me your daughter to marry because I want to make love to her," <laughs> doesn't that seem like a weird way to approach the father of the bride? Well, everything here is is a different um, is a different format. I mean, just just everything about the way that they do interpersonal relationships, the way they make deals. Yeah. Like, well, I'll buy this from you. No, 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 I'll give it to you. Well, no, seriously, I, I insist that I buy it. Well, I don't know. No, here, take it. Like, okay, it's a it's a formality of the way that they do things, and I certainly wouldn't presume to know how straight up the middle 
you know, culturally, the mm. stuff was. Yeah. Um, he, he, it sounds like they come to a mutually agreeable um, deal that, um, that they come up with. And I, I, I marked uh, 20 as of particular note. You'd have to feel pretty good if you were um, Rachel. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. wow, put that on a greeting card, you know, a Valentine's card. Yeah. But, I would work seven years for you. <laughs> yeah, but Not it, a day over. Again, it seems strange um, that they would do this. Um, and then the whole trickery again happens between uh, Jacob and Laban, Laban substituting... Um, Leah, and then making a deal for seven more years. Mm-hmm. Mm. At the end, but How yes. do you think that made Leah feel, though? Ugh. I know, I've thought about that, and that's actually... Oh, I think we get a good view of that. Well, yeah, but I mean, my gosh, for your dad to... I mean, your dad to basically trick a guy into marrying you, you know? Yeah, and we see... This is a theme we see early in, the, in these patriarchs, and in verse 30 it says, So Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah... That again, we see favoritism. We mm-hmm. see this happening generation by generation, and it always goes badly. Yeah, and it goes badly between Rachel and Leah and um, Jacob's sons. This this creates the fallout that we see later. Yeah, I mean, this is a direct precursor to it, and this I think is a is a moment and an opportunity for us to say. In our own lives, are we playing favorites with people? You know, are yeah. we, you know, I think it, it's, it's also even maybe a little bit more simplistic when we go back to say that the garden was one man and one woman. And every time that we had what they had the idea in the Old Testament to take another wife, like you said, it just didn't come out well. For yeah. any of them. And you do. You see the favoritism between wives. You see the strife between the children. Mm-hmm. Because it was definitely, they were treated differently. And to the point of them being told. You know, a lot of, if you look at um, Joseph. You know, I favored your mom more. I had two children from her. And, you know, the other ones, well, were your sons too. Yeah, and that's yeah. weird because later... It seems like um, Jacob views his other sons almost as disposable. Yes, it's like eh, you guys get, we could leave a few. You guys in Egypt, that's not a big the deal. The workers, but oh, but please, <laughs> but don't, not don't Benjamin. Take Benjamin, yes. yeah. Joseph. That's yeah. like it's that's, the only, that's all I have left. All I have left right? of the woman I love. <laughs> it's the only one. Well, you other, you know, you other ten, meh, whatever. You know, but we started this conversation today by saying, you know, even Ishmael, those are those are. Raw kind of wounds. wounds. They don't heal. No, and you know, even to this day, people still bring up those references, and it's like that can have a long, long lasting effect. What did somebody, one of the, oh my goodness, we were doing an interview at work the other day, and one of the engineers had the audacity with me in the room to say something about, like, well, I mean, kind of the redheaded stepchild. Right, but there again, like it's the Karen's assu- redheaded. Uh, yes, oh yes, yeah. For the for the, <laughs> for the viewers, <laughs> right? For the viewers, um, the listeners. And, Let's you hear it in her voice. <laughs> and and it, it's just kind of like that that understanding of the unwanted category, and yeah. like there's 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 the Ishmael, the black sheep, the mm-hmm. redheaded stepchild, whatever those things that we call them. Yeah. How much blame really can we put on Jacob here, though? He did not even know he was marrying Leah. Oh, that's true. You know, yeah, he was definitely tricked. Now, I put a little blame on him because he slept with her on the wedding night, and I was like, did you not even talk to her? Yeah, I get the idea that this was a surprise yeah. in yeah. the morning. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which, again, culturally, I was like, I'm not, don't really understand what's going on. I remember they didn't have electricity in their tents, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't, they're, uh, it's the difficult. Yeah, it's difficult to understand. Yeah. All of the um, all but, of the things going on here, but look yeah. at the deception, though. Okay, so wedding dress, veil, you it's know, the whole thing, yeah. But look back at what him and his mother did. Yeah, oh, the robe, yeah. 
Oh yeah, he's getting the fur on on the arms, mm-hmm. you know. So your voice doesn't your, some of doesn't your voice sound a little different? Like, <clears throat> yeah, just got a little bit of raw onion there. <clears throat> That's you what know. That is. But think about <laughs> it. Cold. Maybe there was a little bit of, you know. Okay, I guess I, I did get taken here on this one. Oh, yeah. it's a comeuppance. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, it's an echo. It's a like listen, a you know. Oh. You got taken by the master. Here you go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And let's not forget, Leah was in on it too. She had to be. So I mean, she's she's buying into you know some of her troubles later. She she's contributed to it here. You know. So it's a it's a weird, sad thing. So they get married. Um, He agrees to to marry both of the women. He begins to to have children with them. and begins to work. And Leah is one fertile girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's the part of there's the part of this story that really gets son to me. after son after son. I know. As much as he didn't want Leah, he sure goes to Leah a lot I and has a lot of, at least a lot a of kids. Um, but here's where Leah has gotten some grace because yeah. she's been the unwanted wife, you know, but she's the one who gets to have the kids. And in that society, that's a big thing. Yeah, it was a very big thing. Right. And you know, I made note of that. The, f- the fact that um, Rachel is tested, I think, um, in, in 3022, then God remembered Rachel. It's not as if he forgot her. Right. Okay. And God listened to her and opened her womb, and she conceived and bore a son. And I don't know exactly how many years that was. I believe it was around 20 but I don't know that. I don't know where I came up with that number, so don't, don't uh, for his don't time, take that. His time with Laban, or no, um, maybe have children. But, but the idea is that he he marries her. He does not have children with her for a long, long, mm. long time. Right. And this puts her under a lot of stress. Um, Give with me her children, or I die. Yeah, it was kind of like I'm sure she she knew she was the special one, but but she sure couldn't afford to rub it into her sister's face Mm-mm. because yeah. she, her sister had all these sons, mm-hmm. um, and she did not have any. And so it was an interesting way to level the playing field oh. in a way. Oh man, <laughs> in a weird way. But um, my, my point with this is is that she was she was tested. She had her own walk of faith during this time and she had to wait. Yeah. You know, I'm sure that at some point also during this, she was aware that, wait a minute, I've married this guy who God has promised all these amazing things through and it's going to happen through his descendants and I don't have any kids. Mm -hmm. I have his love, but I don't have that. And so this idea that like, as long as God calls you, it's all going to go pretty smooth. Yeah. He's like, I don't know what Bible people are reading to come up with <laughs> right. that. In this world, you will have trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just there. So Well, and at this point, there was no promise of a specific child being no. carrying it on. Because this is really where everything takes off. Well, up, we know that there are descendants, but if you have it. none... Yeah. yeah, right. But yeah, so Leah, start Leah, Leah. That's my Star Wars coming out, Leah. Leah has four children... Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. And if you read through there, you find out that her, she gives the children's names according to the, the uh, circumstances under which they were, they were born. Um, even the servants' children. Even the servants' children get, get names. Oh, I forgot to look up the names. of. I looked up the, re, the, name, the meanings of all the names just because it's cool to me. I don't need to go through all of it here. Well, um, okay, so in verse 12 of chapter 30, an example, Zilpah. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. And then Leah said, how happy I am. The women will call me happy. So she mm-hmm. named him Asher, right? So she's yeah. Navy. She's Navy. This is, this is similar to, yeah. to Sarah and Hagar. Like, she can give birth to the child on my knees, and then it will be my child, right? Yep. It's like that. But yep. then once again, we look and see the same mistake. Uh, ugh. Yes. <laughs> you know, not only do you have problems with the sisters, now you've just thrown in... A maid, too. Yeah. Does, doesn't that tell you, though, how much the assumption was? Like, I mean, to me, it was weird when I read it with Sarah and Hagar, like, no, we'll do the local custom, and she'll give birth to the child on my knees, and it will be my child. You know? That's... Mm-hmm. And, and yet Hagar 
And that was considered Sarah's child, except not really, because then Hagar gets arrogant and it turns into this whole right. thing. Big mess. So then, right. And then here, you don't, you don't, you don't hear anything about there being trouble with the maids. Like the sisters claim the children, and yet there's a difference, right? Because Rachel's still wanting hers. Like right. she, she enters the fray, right? It, and she still... wins. She wins a few battles yep. by giving her her servant to Jacob. So they're definitely considered yeah. their children, and yet. And yet, mm-hmm. the bottom line is it still didn't really help the relationship. Right. Yeah. Really didn't help the... Just made um, a bunch of babies. Right. The relationship between the brothers, that didn't help either. Because when you see him, you just see all the brothers before him, not really knowing that, you know, they're from the maid as well as the sister. They're all brothers, but still it's different once yeah. Rachel has her kids. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Leah has those four, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. Uh, Bilha is Rachel's servant. Mm-hmm. She has Dan and Naphtali. Uh, Leah's servant, Zilpah, gives him Gad and Asher. Then we get in, well, we'll come back to this part here in a second. Um, Rachel eventually has Issachar, no, Leah ends up giving more kids, Issachar Zebulun, and a daughter, Dinah. Uh, she's She's named, and I'm curious if that's going to have something to do later. Uh, but Rachel, Rachel finally has Joseph. But then there's this interesting story of mandrakes, and I had to look up what is the deal with mandrakes. Yeah, I looked that up too. And apparently they are a hallucinogenic. They're a narcotic. They're an anesthetic. Um, but they were also viewed as an aphrodisiac. Okay, so the berries are poisonous. I think the whole plant is kind of poisonous, but yep. the berries are what's really poisonous. Mm. And, in, and there's actually modern medical stories of people who eat the berries thinking that it's going to be a crazy aphrodisiac, mm. and then they just get sick and hallucinate and go to the <laughs> hospital. Um, and so, here's, so here, um, here's the symptoms if you eat the berries. Agitation, hallucination, dilated pupils, dry mouth and skin, mild hyperthermia, hyperthermia, tachycardia, and urinary retention. Hmm. Okay, so that's the berries. But apparently in ye olden days, and Josephus even wrote about this. You guys remember Josephus? Mm -hmm. Like the Hebrew guy that like went to Rome and was a historian, like he even wrote about mandrakes. And, but it was the roots. So you ate a tiny, tiny, tiny piece of the root and it was considered a fertility thing. Yep. So that's what, that's what so, that was all about. Yeah. And so, yeah, I also apparently they smell good. Apparently they grow in wheat fields and apparently they smell good because in Song of Solomon, they're mentioned. Mm-hmm. Like, I can, you know, we're going to go and we're going to see if the pomegranates are in bloom and we're going to smell the mandrakes on the wind. And right. So there's all this stuff. Super big in the like off the aisles. If you look in Arthur lore, Mandrake is mentioned off a lot. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, now I'm just giving my hobbies away, but okay. <laughs> Let <laughs> us right. continue. Yep. Yes. Okay, right. so uh, Jacob be- starts to become uh, prosperous under Laban, and Laban and his brothers aren't too cool with it. Um, after after this whole thing of Laban trying to keep Jacob from profiting again, he's like, "What you know? So what what's you gonna?" Jacob says, I want all the speckled lambs and whatever, and Laban pulls all the speckled ones out and takes them days away yeah. so that Jacob can't possibly get them. Yeah. And Jacob employs some weird superstitious thing here to make the babies come out spotted, and he, so he, ends, up, he ends up with a pretty good herd of stuff. If the sheep are looking at branches that are peeled <laughs> into stripes... Yeah. Yeah. When they breed, they'll have striped yeah. babies. It works out for him. Oh my goodness. It works out for him. I don't, you know, I don't know. There's obviously obviously God is working in Jacob's favor here yes. to make this happen. Yes. Eventually, Jacob gets ordered by God to go back home. And um and he does it sneaky. He decides he's just going to sneak out cuz he knows. He knows he knows his uncle by now. He knows that he's just going to have to take off and go. And I thought it was interesting that Rachel and Leah are like, they're on board with the way they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Because there's a, yeah, we know our dad too. And, um, what, how did they say that? Like, has something about he's spent all of our inheritance and he, and he's spent our bride price. So yeah. why should we stay? Yeah. The, basically, the way he's treated us through this whole thing has, has not been good. And, uh, they are so down on their dad to the, 
point even that Rachel decides to steal and says Laban's idols. So that was an interesting thing. Household that, gods, yeah. That Laban is is he's in idolatry. So and um, Rachel decides to steal these things. Why? I don't know. It doesn't say. Um, but she decides she's going to take them. And uh, when Laban catches wind of it all, he decides to come chase him down. But he gets warned by God, basically, leave Jacob alone. Leave Jacob alone. <laughs> you know, um, which isn't exactly how he says it. He says, don't speak good or bad to him. But essentially, it means just leave him alone. Let him go. Let him go. And here again, I think this is really interesting. Laban Laban has household gods, and God, he still worships capital G God, and capital G God interacts with him. Mm. So there's there's a couple places in the Bible where where it says some version of God winks at times of ignorance. Mm. And it's just, it's interesting to me how, how... like, God isn't intimidated by our stupid earthly shenanigans where we get distracted from what we should be doing. Yeah. He, if he needs to get something done, he'll still reach down and communicate with us and get stuff done. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah. very reassuring to me because when I look around, you know, starting with myself, but when I look around the world, I see a lot of shades of gray. And, and I feel like you know, then I, I, I think about the Laodicea thing, like in Revelation, you know, the last phase of Christ's church before the second coming. It's lukewarm. It's sitting on a fence. And God says flat out, I would rather you be hot or cold because you're not. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth, right? And yet he's able to work within our shades of gray. He's, he's still able and willing to reach down and make a statement and intervene and make his point and save us from our stupid selves. Mm-hmm. It's great. I love it. Yeah. Well, Laban clearly doesn't exactly listen to God, but he doesn't he doesn't necessarily come at this point now with any malice. But he is a little upset about not having his idols and Jacob is like, I didn't take your idols. You can search everywhere and if you find them, you can kill them. You know, you can kill whoever you find them. And uh I thought it was interesting that Laban said You've done, a fool, you've done a foolish thing. I have the power to harm you, but last night the God of your father Ooh. said to me, yep. right? Yep. So I, I, and the reason I thought that was odd was why didn't he perceive that to be Jacob's God? Or maybe that was just like a respect thing? Like That's what the, they all say. The father yeah. that reaches back and you know the God of your fathers that reaches back in time. Yeah. I don't know if that's, some, if that's a respect or an authority or a compliment in some way, but it, it's odd. Yeah. Anyway, he doesn't find the idols because Leah is literally sitting on them, <laughs> and uh, she invokes the uh, woman's monthly issue to say that, you know, I can't stand up. And I didn't know I was supposed to sit down. I, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Well, yeah, modern, uh, modern conveniences now, I guess, are going to make it easier. I don't know. Um, but they decide they're going to make a little covenant between themselves, and they set up... Um, a heap, a heap of rocks, and uh, they each name it. One of them names it Jagar Shahadutha, and the other one names it Galid. Both of those things, one in Aramaic, one in Hebrew, means heap of witness. But basically it's saying, I won't go past this point to come harm you. You won't come past this part to come harm me. I would suspect they probably never saw each other again. Um, I thought it was odd that even though Laban felt free to give both of his daughters to Jacob as a wife, here he takes it, he makes him vow not to take any more wives. Yeah. Besides his daughters. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, the guy's full odd. of pride. I think he's probably full of pride, and uh, yeah, it's just sort of a yeah. Treat my daughters well. I don't know. Um, yeah, I just when I went to a, a church school uh, once. I don't know what grade I was in, early elementary. I remember we used to say what I later realized is part of the Mizpah. At the end of school, we'd, we'd all say together, may the Lord watch, watch between, between you and me, me while we're absent, absent one, one from, from another. another. And, and this one is, you know. But then we never got on to the, if you oppress my daughters or if you take <laughs> wives beside my daughters. That would have been awkward, you know, for yeah. third graders to yeah. recite. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think it's interesting that this is one more instance of hey, wait a minute, we just took one little slice here, but there's the other slice that we <laughs> just kind of neglected. Yeah. 
Um, it's not as catchy as a farewell at the end of a, you know, party. Yeah. Uh, I'll admit that. I just thought that was interesting. Is there? Yeah. So thirty-two. Thirty-two is one of the probably most famous stories in the Bible. I was trying to think, try to categorize if you're going to have the top ten if this one fits in there, and it probably does. But this is the story of Jacob wrestling with God. Now, Jacob is on his way home, and he knows he's going to have to face his brother. And he sends the rest of his party ahead, and he stays behind uh, to contemplate and pray and think. And, you know, he's got to figure out, how am I going to face my brother? He's obviously learned some humility by now. Because he starts, he sends servants to go talk to Esau. And he's like, tell them, said, speak thus to my lord Esau. And he says, and tell my lord Esau. That's obviously a, he's taking a position of subservience. Even though he's got the upper hand, he knows he's got the blessing, he knows he's got all these things. But he also has got to be aware that Esau now has been living with he's essentially he essentially has all of the physical inheritance in his possession and and eric rotis couldn't spend a couple weeks ago since everybody was out sick um but um as far as esau was he was the sole heir of everything mm-hmm. so you know we always look at jacob's part of this but there you know esau was a little bit concerned too that he was coming back because he was in control of everything. It was basically like, you know what? I didn't get the blessing. He ran off with it. You know, I got taken, you know, by this. But all the stuff is mine at this point. And I'm running the show. And now he's coming back. Is he going to put a claim on this that um, it's his? Yeah. So, you know, we don't get to see that part that there's two sides to every story. And that was Esau's like, okay, now I need to defend what I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's coming to Jacob with 400 men. So I don't think it was so much, maybe, I don't know, I, I hope he would have learned the humility part first, but I think it was a little bit of self-preservation at that point. In reading it, he was he really sent the women and the children out first to kind of be the buffer, yeah. you know, to kind of see how that was, to see if they were going to be harmed, basically. And then he split the camps in, in essence to say, if one's being attacked, then the other has a good chance to get away. Yeah. And I'll stay in the one in the back. And then he sends these gifts of right gifts of animals. Yeah. In a lot of ways, I think he's telling Esau, I'm not coming for what you've got. Because I've got I have plenty, plenty of, my, of own. my own. And in yeah. fact, here's some for you. <laughs> um, Again, we've talked about this before, and I think it's worth mentioning again, is that there's the difference between what our rights might be, I got a right to this, Mm -hmm. and and being diplomatic. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's, he did, he was told, I mean, prophetically, you know, the younger uh, will be ruler, I guess it said the, the elder will be servant to the younger. Yeah, right. And his father said this, and... The, the blessing was given. I mean, so all these things are, are there, and yet Jacob, when he, when he has this, um, when he's on the way to this encounter, because that doesn't happen until 33, mm-hmm. but he doesn't, um, he doesn't push himself. Like, you know what? We had this deal. Remember that little bowl of soup that you got, and remember that we... Mm-hmm. He doesn't go there at all. Right. He acts in, with... Diplomacy, and he's deferential to his brother, and this is this is a lesson I think that is just largely lost on modern s- civil discourse. It's like I don't have to get in your face just because I could, you know. And yeah. and I think that's a lesson for people who want to be in line with God. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you always are deferential to everything all the time. A little bit that. of diplomacy. It's diplomacy, and it's and it's saying, you know what? How can I diffuse the situation? How can I take this down a notch? 
instead of just like, oh, I got the promise, I got the other stuff, I'm going to be in your face and shut you down. My rights. You have to acknowledge my rights. Yeah, he doesn't go there. Um, But the really interesting stuff (laughs) is 22... Through 32. There's mm-hmm. a lot packed in those 10 yeah. e- Even just before that, though, Jacob starts with a prayer. Right. It's a prayer of repentance because he has learned his lesson, and he is, he, is, he is repenting. Yep. And everything that comes after this is a result of that repentance. Yes. Because he's, he's like, I am not worthy. Deliver me from my brother. Um, but he's also saying, you are the one, God, who told me to go home, so please protect me. Mm-hmm. And this, is to me, is a lot different from the way some of his ancestors have been, where he is, he is recognizing the promise, he's recognizing the instructions, and he's saying, I'm going to do what you said, God, so please protect me. But yeah, then we get into the really, really crazy stuff where he's... Um, where were you saying? Oh, 22... Um, but I think too, with the prayer, it's, I don't know if you guys got this too, but it's, while it's a prayer of, you know, forgiveness, lead me, guide me kind of stuff. It's also one crying out and says, you know what? I'm legitimately scared of my brother. Right. Right. So I I think it comes from a place of, of a little bit of fear too, of not really knowing what's going to go on and how he left the situation with his brother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I fear him. Yeah. Help me, Lord, because I fear him. I'm in fear for my life here. So the way I the way I read that prayer mm-hmm. was that Jacob was still, in spite of God's promises, mm-hmm. and in spite of God's leading, and in spite of the, him being the bl- the blessing will come through your descendants. Right? He still felt his debt. Right? So mm-hmm. he still feels shame, guilt, whatever. Mm-hmm. All right, so <clears throat> I'll, I'll try and make this quick because I know that time is ticking. Mm-hmm. But like in the New Testament, they approach, they talk about forgiveness using two different Greek words. One retains an awareness of the debt but chooses to set it aside. One is an act of absolute grace that doesn't even acknowledge that there is a debt, right? And so, and, and, and both sides of that equation, right? So if I am owed a debt and I benevolently choose to say to you, I am aware of your debt and I choose to set it aside, the awareness of the debt remains for both of us, okay? But like the, the, the act of grace, the no strings attached, that kind of forgiveness is actually used more widely. Like when Jesus heals the blind man, it's, it's the same word. That wasn't forgiveness. That was just a no-strings-attached act of grace, mm. right? And so, so all awareness of debt is removed. It's as if it doesn't exist. That's a, that's a different level of forgiveness. And that's, that's what had never sunk in for Jacob. Mm-hmm. Like, his, his, he still felt that debt. Anyway, yeah. end of speech. So now he has sent his family... Over to the other side of the river, or the brook, as it says, in verse 24 of chapter 32, says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And they wrestled all night long. Well, and I think he'd been praying for a while, but yeah. Well, yeah, but till morning, you know, they're, rest, they're wrestling, fight, fighting. You know, I, I'd be curious to see what this looked like, what kind of a But the backdrop to that was that... They said this area that he was left alone in was mm-hmm. was lonely, mountainous region, haunted, full of wild animals. And wild and men. <laughs> robbers and murderers. <laughs> so needless to say, he was probably a little bit on guard, too, not knowing what to expect. And when it first started out, he probably was thinking it was one of those robbers or murderers. Yeah, he's out there by himself praying and mm-hmm. then gets attacked. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, verse 26 is interesting. I mean, this is Jesus. I'm going to say this is Jesus that he's wrestling with. And Jesus says, let me go for the day breaks. What's that got to do with anything? It's not like the power of Jesus. Jesus isn't a vampire and he's going to turn to dust when the sun comes up. There's no light here. There's no light here. I think it was just a visual. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So anyway, but... Or maybe it's just like, we've been at this long enough. Yes, that's yeah. where I was going to go. We've been at this long enough. Well, the by sun this point, is coming up. By this point, something else has happened, though. Oh, yes, yes. I, I missed a part. Go Where ahead, Eric. Yeah, go ahead. Well, it's just that um, where they've been wrestling, 
And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, I mean, that's kind of silly, I mean, because if Jesus is wrestling, he could do whatever he wants to. Right. He touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip socket was put out of joint when he wrestled with him. I mean, to be a dislocated hip, I mean, you're done. Yep, you okay. are. You're done. And I think... And it takes a lot to dislocate a hip. Yeah, I don't Just really, throwing it out there. I don't ever hear of that. Yeah, and I not, fell down and dislocated my hip. Not with one <laughs> finger. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, Jacob knows... Okay, wait a minute. This is not what I thought was going on. And so he comes to this realization, and in 26, he says, um, well, he says, let me go for the day is broken. That's what Jesus says to Jacob. But Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And I think that that is, it's really important to understand the tone with which that's said. It's not said with a presumptuous, like, yeah, I'm not letting you go until you cry uncle. Okay, because he just had his hip dislocated with a touch. So he's definitely not doing this out of a, you know, I, I wrestle with my son at night, mm. and I basically make him say mercy, and then he'll go to bed. <laughs> um, wow. And then well, he demands it. He keeps, he was like, stop, stop. I didn't say stop. I said, stop. So, so he just loves to do this, okay? So, but, but in this case, Jacob knows that he's, he's beat. He does not have a chance. And so when he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me, he wants reassurance is what he wants. Mm-hmm. This isn't a, I'm going to beat, I'm going to twist your arm until you give it to me. That's over. That's yeah. been made clear earlier in the verse. Um, I think if you look at the verbiage, asking for wrestled, mm-hmm. struggled, did not prevail, and now it's, I'm just holding on. Yes. Yeah. And this yeah. is... This is and this whole idea of, of wrestling and and seeking the forgiveness and and um, wrestling with God through His guilt and and so on and, and this idea like was this really God and was this really like yeah because it just right here in twenty eight your name shall no longer be called Jacob but Israel for you have striven with God I mean right there it's like you've wrestled with God mm-hmm. um, and so they go into this. You know, tell me your name. He doesn't answer. Um, so this shows up later. This is a very interesting thing. In Jeremiah 30, verses 5 through 7, this is um, talking about a restoration, but before this restoration happens, there's trouble. Jeremiah 35, thus says the Lord, we have heard a cry of panic, of terror, and no peace. Sounds like Jacob and what's going on. And now, see, can a man bear a child? Really interesting. It's like, see, we've got birth pains going on here. And birth pains are one of the favorite metaphors of the second coming. Mm -hmm. And why then do I see every man with his hands on his stomach like a woman in labor? And why has every face turned pale? Now, I've not been pregnant, but I see this and hear this, and I've even seen a YouTube thing where they put electrodes <laughs> on a, on a male, yeah. and they're like, we're going to turn this up until it's Equivalent. what childbirth is, yeah. and none of them go to the level where it's childbirth. <laughs> they're all like, no, I'm out, I'm out, yeah. I'm out, I'm out. Okay, so this is a lot of pain. Yeah. Um, a lot of pain, and people are like, this is a, this is a serious moment. Mm-hmm. Seven, alas, that day is so great there is none like it. It is a time of distress for Jacob, yet he shall be saved out of it. Hmm. So this is like this is the most intense thing you can possibly imagine or go through. Yeah. And guess what? Um, you thought you were out at nine. Yeah, the dial goes to eleven, <laughs> and and you can't handle it. And you can't cry, Uncle, and you can't say, take it off yeah, of me, I'm yeah. out. This yeah. is it. This is the thing. And what, what's amazing, and yet he shall be saved out of it. And so this idea that um, Jacob's struggle becomes a metaphor later. Mm-hmm. It becomes, I mean, so it's not just a literal story of a wrestling and, and seeking um, blessing and assurance. This becomes a living metaphor for our struggle... Um, Individually. And that correlation kind of goes with um, Revelation twenty two eleven, where it says, basically, when Christ um, shall cease his work as a mediator on man's behalf, then the time of trouble will begin. And then just like in Revelation twenty two eleven, where, you know, let the just be just, 
that's kind of the whole thing where it blends into um, Jacob's tr- uh, time of trouble. Is that like, where the angels holding back the winds of yes. strife mm-hmm. let go? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, those that are righteous, let them be righteous still. That's and I don't think that's a command. In. That's a, that's a like, and squares are going to be square. Yep. And, and we're done. And, you yeah. know, circles are circles. They, and they're going to stay what they were. Yep. Yeah. It's not like you're going to have to struggle to stay what you were. Because you, you are that. Yes. You are the just, thing. Yep. And we're just going to make sure that you're going to stay the thing that you were. And so how, okay, so if you look around at all of the fluctuations in the world, how on earth, like how bad would it have to be to get everyone that solid? Like that's, that's, mm. like that's horrible. Well, there's, there, people have made up their minds earlier, and that's the thing about, this just proves about it. all of these metaphors when we're talking about second coming, um, because that's the context in which Jacob's time of trouble is, and... People will have made up their mind, their character, before this moment. Yes. This isn't a moment in which you are making up your Mm-mm. mind. It is a done thing before then. And it You've is already gravitated up. to one side or the other. And Jacob is, has been coming to this realization, like, man, I've cheated my brother. I've been dishonest with my father. I have all these things, and this guilt is weighing on him before he starts wrestling. And so that's... That's the thing, you know, when we talk about metaphors of the Second Coming, specifically this Jacob time of trouble, all these metaphors, when the final thing happens, it's a surprise, okay? But, but, but the metaphors that are used are not like lightning out of the blue sky. None of them are that kind oh, of you metaphor. you mean the final deliverance is a surprise? No, no, no. I mean, the, 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 that things are finally happening, that they're sealed, it's like, boom, and oh, yeah. this was the time. Yeah. That's never... Lightning out of a blue sky. Mm-mm. It's it's uses metaphors like pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't congratulate somebody on being pregnant until they're holding the baby. Okay, I've just learned that. It's just like like wow, when do you do? Nope, not me. But I think it in my head is like oh well, they're probably pregnant. You know they're, they got this thing. Now you know you're pregnant. Super rare exceptions to that. But um, mm. but Which we don't know, you know when. The end result. But we don't know when. I mean we've had two children, and it's like we we. Knew my wife was pregnant, but we did not know when right. the labor was going to set in. Right, it's right. like it's close, but we don't really know. And it's like, whoa, here it is. So that's one metaphor. The other was as it was in the days of Noah. It talks about how you know they went and they, they were married and giving in marriage, and they were doing all these other things up until the day up until the day that Noah entered the ark. And, but in spite of 120 years of preaching, that's my point. <laughs> is it, it wasn't like there was nothing. It was like, wow, we didn't. Where'd that boat come from? Right. Like you've been building it for 120 years. And so these metaphors that have to do with second coming and preparation and things leading up to it is if you are aware and if you are looking, you will see it. You can't read the book of Revelation and read those signs and seals and trumpets and all this stuff and say, yeah, I'm not sure how, I think I missed that part. Right. Like, man, no way. It's happening. Now, you can misattribute that. I think absolutely. Yeah. You can say, well, I can come up with an explanation for why that's you know, not really God's judgment or why that's really not happening that way. And then at the end, it's like, oh, it's a surprise. Wait a minute, what? Jesus made the same analogy in Matthew 24. He's like, you know, and this will happen, and this will happen, and this will happen, and all of these things are the beginning of labor pains. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think it's how you just look at it. You know, you look at um, the humanistic part of it that he's struggling Jacob is struggling going through, oh, like, bad. like we struggle day to day. Mm-hmm. You wrestle with, you know, guilt, shame, family matters, what what have you. But are you holding on to that promise? Are you yeah. going to wrestle all night long until you're broken? And are you still going to hold on to the end for a blessing? And if you do, you will get that blessing. Mm. And if you're just, you'll be just. Yeah. Makes me yeah. wonder if Jacob hadn't decided to fight, would he have gotten the blessing sooner? All of a sudden, that just just struck me. You know, if he would have just let Jesus grab a hold of him and do whatever, if he might have gotten the blessing a little sooner. I think it's a whole right avenue now. of just you're in a dangerous world, and you know what? You may have to. Maybe yeah. Yeah, maybe. you may have to. You know, you have to you have to struggle and you have to fight because yeah. you don't was, know what's going on. Yeah, but but guilt does things to you. And I remember uh, I went to a boarding school 
uh, for a couple years in high school, and I was not always the best citizen. We won't go into severe details there, but um, mm. here's the thing, is that when I was knowingly breaking the rules, and I would hear a knock on the door, mm-hmm. immediately it's guilt, it's fear, it's shame, it's hide the stuff. Who found out? Right. And my reaction, that adrenaline shot was totally different than when, at the, because there was a point at which I said, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm yeah. done hiding, I'm done running away, I'm done... The I'm fight just like, or flight? I'm just going to, yep, I'm going to give up all the things that I shouldn't be doing. I don't have any contraband. I'm not doing any of these things. I'm just not, I'm done with it. And then I would hear the same knock. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, whatever, who is Come it? On I didn't jump. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that same reaction of like, oh no. And and that that feeling was predicated on my decisions and actions preceding that. To hold on to the blessing? Well, and get the blessing well, to make the change? Me. You lost me there. I, I, well, my point is, is that I, if we make our change, talking about mm-hmm. these things here, if we make our change when we're called to do it, and then when we have that moment of wrestling, to Matt's point, is if we've already given these things up, if we've already repented, if we've already said, you know what, I'm letting it all go, mm-hmm. then, then our struggle is a different struggle. Mm-hmm. It's of a yeah. different level of intensity. We don't jump as high when, when we hear a sound or a knock behind us, and... That, I think, is a lesson that we can take out of this with the wrestling is the idea that, Matt, you pointed out, is that Jacob had this prayer earlier. Mm-hmm. He was already praying and seeking forgiveness and already doing it. And it's interesting because when Jesus goes to heal a lot of people in the New Testament, one of the first things he does, he said, your sins are forgiven, which is such a weird thing because yeah. you're talking about physically like, ah, oh, I'm been lame, please fix my legs. Right. Your sins are forgiven. And they're oh. like, oh, thank you. Yeah. And you're like, but I thought the thing they, they wanted... deeper. Because what they really wanted was soul peace. Mm-hmm. They wanted yeah. soul rest. They wanted that forgiveness from the burden of guilt, and Jesus offers that. The yeah. sooner we turn to that, the less painful our wrestling is. Yeah. All right, well... Jacob gets renamed Israel. He still continues to be called Jacob through most of his life here, but Jesus gives him this new name, Israel, which means, if I looked it up right, he will rule as God. But um, this is where everything really starts to take off, is with the 12 tribes. Um, this is where that whole nation of Israel really starts to take to take root and go on from there. Um, but... That is the time that we have for today. I want to thank you for listening. I want to remind you to uh, look us up on Facebook. If uh, you have questions or comments or whatever. What's the name again they look up, Matt? Look up Adventure Through the Bible on Facebook. Uh, You can email us at attbpodcast at theadventure.com. I think it's com. I think it's org. It's it's probably org. org. Let's say it's org. Adventure org. Um, I haven't emailed it myself. Uh, anyway. And our, and our chapters for next week? And our chapters for next week are going to be chapters 33. Genesis 33 through 38. 38? Yep. Okay. 38. Cool beans. And uh, we're going to start to talk about Joseph. So uh, we look forward to talking to you then. Talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.